Hey, Kimberly. Hey, Jen. Okay, so did you hear about this Starbucks attempt to move the race conversation forward with their Race Together project? They're encouraging their baristas to try to talk to people about race while they're handing out their lattes. Did you hear about this? Kimberly? Um, Kimberly? This is Let's Review, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about current events, art, politics, and identity. I'm Jen White. And I'm Kim Springer. And here we go. The shooting came as Ferguson's city government struggles with the fallout of a damning Department of Justice report. The DOJ found that the town's police force and municipal court regularly violated residents' constitutional rights and disproportionately targeted African Americans, all in the quest for more revenue for the city budget. Welcome back. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. Yesterday, the Sigma Alpha Epsilon fraternity chapter at the University of Oklahoma hired a high-profile attorney after this video showing some of their members participating in a racist chant got the chapter kicked off campus. The queen of pop has never been one to mince words, and she's not going to start now. In Madonna's latest interview with Out Magazine, the Grammy winner got candid about how she believes that gay rights are way more advanced than women's rights. She said it's moved along for the gay community, for the African-American community, but women are still just trading on their a- Racism is out of control. Man. So those were some of the stories you've probably heard about in recent weeks. Or maybe like me, you didn't. Which is why we're talking about this, because I attempted to have a conversation with you about uh, the whole Oklahoma fraternity racist song. Nope. And that was pretty nope. much your reaction. Not don't do it. I was like, how do you not know about this? And I was shocked. So our question today is, is there a responsibility to be informed about every racist, sexist or other ist story in the world or is it okay or possible to just check out sometime? And if you do decide to check in or be present, how do you decide who or what you'll engage with? So the only time I really feel comfortable completely checking out is when I'm on vacation. And I'm very deliberate about that because I'm immersed in the news all the time and I need a break because on my job I have to know what's happening. So the other time, I re- only time I really feel like I can just pull back and shut it all down is when I'm out of town. But we're focused on local news. So why do you feel like you need to engage with all the whackness that is happening at the national level? That is a good question. And um, frankly, it's not one I have an easy answer for. I think part of it is that even though we're focused on local issues here at the station, in ATC, I'm still talking about things that are happening nationally. And I have to know what I'm talking about. I have to know, even if I'm just doing a forward promote or something, but I, I need to know. I would think it would help you not to know that much about it so that you're not having all kinds of feels when you're introducing stories like oh, the I Oklahoma. Oh, I have feels. <laughs> I have feels. But I have learned to keep my feels at bay when I'm in front of a microphone. And so it's not always easy. There are times when I definitely have to do some emotional editing um, on the air. But I think that's just kind of part of the job. 
It's part of the job. Well, I do not. I don't have your job. <laughs> Lucky for me. So I can preserve my own personal sanity, which is how I look at whether I'm going to engage with a lot of what happens in the news and in current events. Yeah, but you're also managing social media for us. So really? Like I said, <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm insane that it's making me crazy? Not crazy. That sounds judgy. Um but how do you balance that? Because I, even if you want to pull out, you have you still have to be engaged to a certain degree. I have to have different tactics to how I approach it. So some days I decide, because I have to look at all the comments. Right. And we're looking for a profanity because, you know, what we say, what happens on Facebook, we can't do anything that the FCC would let us say on the air. Right. So sometimes I'm just skimming for curse words, which is just a weird experience. Other times I'm just looking for attacks on other users. So sometimes I just decide I'm not going to engage with the substance, the as it were, mm-hmm. of some of the comments. But you just are looking for what's breaking the rules. Right. I become a bot. You're a bot? I'm a bot. You're a Kimber bot. skims the comments. And cuts out the ones that are inappropriate. I go to my happy place. Okay, so that's on the professional side. But frankly, I mean, beyond the professional obligation, I do feel some sort of social obligation, I guess, to be informed about what's happening in general. Because when it comes to social justice issues, I'm actually connected to a lot of people who are deeply involved in different causes. And in a way, I think being informed is my way of being involved because of this job, because of this role. You know, we can't sign petitions. We can't march. We can't do any of that stuff. We have mm-hmm. to maintain um, a degree of, of separation. But I do feel a responsibility to at least bear witness, I guess. But I think that's the key phrase that you mentioned, bearing witness, which I think comes out of the black church. Mm-hmm. That's at least what stuck for me from church, is that you is need that to actually, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> that you pretty much need to bear witness to injustice in order to fight it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I have borne witness to so much injustice, you know, on behalf of other people, whether it happens to me for long enough, that I know what's coming after the headline, that I don't need. It's all clickbait to me. I don't need to click on the headlines about Oklahoma to know what those children got up to on that bus. So, and it's, you know, basically the same stuff on a different day for me. So that I feel like is a way to preserve my sanity around it instead of engaging with every single instance of racism or homophobia or sexism. You know, and I hear that. And honestly, it is exhausting to be constantly bombarded with with the crazy. But do you feel bad ever about being out of the loop or well that was a (laughs) no that's some edith piaf for you (laughs) she regrets nothing i regret nothing i mean i i just i don't feel bad about it it's self-preservation in my way of thinking. So I can be aware, but I'm also going to take care of myself in these these spaces because if you don't take care of yourself, who will? Well, and I have to say your Facebook page is truly a wonder of modern technology. It's so clean. Yes, give yourself a, a hand. It's so clean. I was like, there is no 
personal information about anybody on your page. Like I was, I was like, am I insulted? She doesn't even follow me, <laughs> but you know, whatever. I get it. Part of my problem is that I probably don't filter enough people out of my social network feeds. And so I get a lot of stuff coming at me. Everyone's moment of outrage shows up on mm-hmm. my newsfeed. And for some reason, I'm hesitant to unfollow people, but I probably should do more of that. Why are you hesitant to unfollow them? Gosh. Especially if they're, like, <laughs> I offensive. Don't know. Well, it's not always, well, that's the thing, is that it's not always offensive. It's not, don't get me wrong. I, I have done some unfollowing in my time. Um, but it's more about people who, who are, I mean, passionate about really important causes. And I don't want to unfollow someone just because they're passionate a lot. That's not, I don't want to do that. It's just, I think the, the combination of what I am inundated with at work and then my social network activities, there's not a clear distinction between personal and professional in that, in that area oh, for me. Okay. I thought you're making a different argument for unfollowing, which would be that, you know, the one that they tell you is useful in anti-racism that you need to, attack the racist behavior Mm. and not call somebody racist. So in that respect, like you could follow your racist Uncle Stewie because he's still Uncle Stewie and he has some racist tendencies. But I think you're making a different argument about personal and professional. Yeah. And I mean, I I have had to unfollow some folks in my feed because at a certain point, I'm not going to bang my head against the wall. If you believe what you believe, you know, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it, especially if we've had the conversation a few times and clearly nothing I say is going to change your mind. I am just not going to engage at all. It's not worth Mm -hmm. my time, especially in personal relationships or people with whom I have quasi personal relationships. I don't see you. Maybe I see you once every five years. Really, why am I going to expend energy on that? Mm-hmm. But it's more about that that blending of the personal and the professional. I don't have as clear a distinction between those spaces as perhaps I should. I approach it as a kind of social engineering. So, like, on the one hand, Facebook has all of its algorithms at work. So mm-hmm. it's looking at what you click on, what you like, what you comment on. So there's that. So my Facebook feed looks the way it does because I'm clicking on mostly news things because that's where I tend to find interesting articles and all that stuff. But then also I have decided that my attention is a commodity and it's a commodity to them and it's a commodity to me. So it's worth something. So it's worth the time for me to put in that extra time to not follow anybody who I know is probably offensive to me, but also to only have sort of news and events in the feed. And then I actually take the time to go to people's web pages or Facebook pages who I want to find out what's going on in their life. So in that way, it feels kind of more intentional to me as to what I'm engaging with. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that for me, social media has definitely made it harder for me, and I think for a lot of people to check out than it used to be. Like, you could just turn off the television. You could turn off the radio. But now we're so connected to our phones and our computers. You can turn it off. I know. You have free will. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not just Am about seeing the stuff. turning off I my know, gadget. I'm taking off my jacket. You're making me <laughs> uncomfortable, Kimberly. <laughs> you know, it's not just about seeing the story, though. It's also about having this immediate way 
of interacting with the story by either liking it or commenting on it. And I think there's this weird form of social pressure we start to feel because it's like, okay, do I have to co-sign this person's anger? Do I have to co-sign their disgust, co-sign the rage? It's a very low form of interaction, but it requires a degree of emotional energy. You mean low in, in terms of risk? Or... Low in terms of risk, low in terms of payoff even, I would say. Um, true payoff. Maybe not personal payoff, but in terms of the impact it actually has on the world. Clicking a like on an article, you know, does that, what does that do? Does that move the needle at all? Probably mm-hmm. not, but you feel like you did something. But it doesn't sound like it's a low risk when we, we work in the same space. Right. And it all sounds very stressful to co-sign on, on people's outrage. Well, I would say it's low risk externally, but not necessarily low risk internally. There, like you do expend that emotional energy by reading the article or reading mm-hmm. the post and then choosing to interact with it either by commenting on it or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there is a cost, but it's, an, it's a personal cost, mm-hmm. I would argue. There's energy and there's attention. And I feel like there's finite quantities of both of those things. Sure. So, I mean, I find it stressful when when people are trying to get me to engage with stuff that I don't necessarily want to engage with. Like the Starbucks thing, I was like, I just, cups, I don't have, I don't have time for that. Um, I'm engaging with the station, social media, and with my own social media. So I can have all the personal bias I want on my news feed, but I can't do that on the station's news feed. And it's because of free speech. You know, we want people to be able to speak their mind, but not attack people. But at the same time, I think a lot of it is is preaching to the choir. And that's what I find what I find stressful, because I already know about the racism or I already know about the responses that we might have to somebody who's saying something that's sexist. So I just don't need to engage with that stuff all the time or I'm going to choose when I engage with it. Right. And and I get that. I, like I said, have done some heavy unfollowing of folks, you know, post Ferguson, post certain elections. And it's not because I expect anyone to, you know, stand in solidarity with me on everything I believe. I don't really project a lot of what I believe because of my job. I don't I don't put a lot of stuff. My My Facebook page is fairly benign. Like if you looked at it right now, there's a a video of some of a really bad like kung fu fighting scene on my like, you know it's fairly benign um but i don't like seeing overtly racist sexist or any other ist stuff popping up in my news feed i don't like that it doesn't work for me and for me you know we do a fair amount of ranting internally here like that you talked about preaching to the choir. Like for me, that preaching to the choir when I'm among friends and we can just sort of let loose, that's cathartic in a really good way because there are times when I'm immersed in, in this work and I'm like, am I am I crazy? Like, mm-hmm. is it just me that thinks this is kind of bizarre and nuts? So having a good rant session with some kindred souls does good things for me. But then again, I have to remind myself, I am checking into this stuff on my own. I am not doing as good of a job of filtering you know, filtering what I'm taking in as I probably could be. You don't necessarily have a choice because of your job. You get snatched in. Right. And so what's the catharsis there? For me, it's just to not check in on everything. Like, I don't have a blanket policy about that. But, I mean, I I am a member of a number of different Facebook groups. So people talking about different issues where they're posting things that they have seen that are offensive. So that keeps me aware, but also... 
I think some people have the idea that they need to know what the quote unquote enemy is saying. Mm. So they will follow people who say racist or sexist or homophobic or ableist things. Um, But I just I don't know. I don't see the point in engaging with those viewpoints indiscriminately. I guess I'm arguing for taking care of oneself as an act of free will, Mm -hmm. but also um, creating I'm going to argue for the echo chamber. You know, they say that we are all taking in news that is specialized and geared towards us. And so if we only hear perspectives that are the same as ours, we're in an echo chamber. But sometimes I need to be in that echo chamber for my own personal well-being. Right. The echo chamber is my version of a spa visit. That's where I go to get some sweet, sweet soothing. That's that's my place. Balm. But in general, you know, I also want to know what other people are thinking and feeling. I want to understand, even if I don't agree with the viewpoint, I want to understand where it's coming from, even if it makes me feel a little itchy. But I think you understand it already because it's the same thing. How many pictures of frat boys in blackface at Halloween do you really need to look at to know what's happening there? I mean, I think it's... The institutional racism mm-hmm. changes and adapts. Right. It's, you know, chameleon. But I think individual racism, that stays the same, in my opinion. Okay. You're making me rethink all of my life choices because I, I agree with everything you said. And I'm trying to come up with a coherent reason to stay checked in. And, and nope. I'm, I'm struggling right now. Nope. Darn you, Kimberly. Darn you, Kimberly Springer. You're welcome. <laughs> So we are going to give you a few recommendations for your review. And the one I have for today is a book of poetry by Claudia Rankin called Citizen and American Lyric, which was a finalist for the 2014 National Book Award in Poetry and also the National Book Critics Award and several other awards. And I really like this book because, you know, it's not in, I think, your standard I don't even know how to talk about poetry, really. So that might be what appealed to me. It was just very readable. But she also grasped a lot of things about how we take in different forms of discrimination or microaggressions. And then she was able to articulate really well what that means on a larger societal level. So there's a book of poetry and then also on Vimeo, there are a lot of videos that are kind of meditations on race, like and things that, you know, I think about but I didn't realize how much of an impact they had. So one Hmm. video is about um, an African-American man sitting on a train and there's a seat available next to him. And she observes a white woman look at the seat and intentionally not take that seat. And so she, as the poet, takes the seat. And then she has this sort of dialogue in her head about what they're both thinking as people of color in this kind of daily situation of Mm. encountering race. So it's a great book of poetry. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. So for me, as we were preparing for this podcast, I actually started to do some reassessment of how I'm dealing with my social media. And I came up with um, two different um, NPR stories. The first one is a Science Friday interview back from... um, Gosh, it, ha- it, it was post-Katrina, post-Hurricane Rita as well. And it was uh, an interview with tips for managing bad news because hmm. people were talking about feeling inundated and overwhelmed and suffering from compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting interview about how to deal with this inundation of, of news. And then All Tech Considered did a really interesting story on how we are losing out on the gifts that come from boredom Mm -hmm. Um, because we're so connected to our electronic devices and we want to stay up to date all the time and stay connected. But actually in those moments of boredom, that's when our most creative thoughts 
come out mm-hmm. and they actually did a boredom challenge. So those two things, I'm going to yeah. challenge myself to both of these um, ideas of, of disconnecting from the news to a certain degree, but also to disconnect from some of these devices that are keeping me plugged in and checked in all the time. I did the Bored and Brilliant Challenge. It was part of um, WNYC's um, All Tech City yeah, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. New Tech City is their um, technology program. And it was six different challenges. And I did some of them. And it actually wasn't difficult. And it was freeing. So we'll put links to those on the website. Well, that's it for this review session. If you go to our website, medium.com slash let's review, you'll find some of the videos we've mentioned in this podcast. You'll also find our recommendations for your review. And if you want to get in touch, which we encourage, email us at letusreviewpodcast at gmail.com. And please tell your friends to listen to Let's Review. We are on our website, also iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks for joining us for this Let's Review. I'm Jen White. And I'm Kim Springer.